Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. These are the prison epistles. Good morning, everyone. I'm sure you've had this thought too. I've had it many times in terms of my walk with Jesus Christ. It's this thought. Jesus, are we good? How, how are we doing together? Um, is my walk with you where it needs to be? Uh, how do we know? Um, how do we understand when we're walking with Jesus and He with us and it's, and it's all good? I can tell you that it, it can't be based on feelings because my feelings go up and down like a yo-yo depending on circumstances and other things. So then what is uh, the answer? Well, today, as we go into the book of Philippians, I think that Paul is about to share with us, more than anywhere else in the scriptures, the answer to that question. How am I doing in my walk with Jesus Christ? We're hitting Philippians 3, the first 11 verses, which uh, to me are part of what I call the Himalayas of scripture. Paul has some tremendous things to say in this book, and one of the peaks uh, we've just gone through, chapter 2, which talks about Jesus humbling himself and, and coming and, and saving us and, and being exalted by God because of that. Uh, but then in chapter 3, I think it goes on and it says some more things that are just truly wonderful, and I want to share that with you today. In verse 1, Paul says this, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Now let's review again. We know already because we're in the prison epistles that Paul is uh, in prison. He's under house arrest. He's chained or attached to a Roman soldier every day, all day, every night, all night. And this has been going on for some time. And while he's languishing, waiting for Caesar to have an audience with him, not knowing whether he's going to live or die, wanting to be about just encouraging the churches and visiting them, he is writing a letter to this church saying, whatever happens... My dear brothers and sisters, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. And then he goes on and says, I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. So I'll never tire of saying rejoice, and I do it to actually keep you safe. Now, what does that mean? Well, two things I want to share as we go beyond that. Rejoicing in the Lord always is about rejoicing in what Jesus alone has done. Notice Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Not rejoice in your circumstances, not rejoice in how you're feeling, not rejoice in the size of your bank account or in your retirement or your job or your children or whatever else, but rather rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in what Jesus alone has done. And then he launches into be careful. He says, be careful and watch out for those, he calls them dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved, going back to the Jewish thought of you need to have this religious um, symbol even. You need to have a circumcision in order to be um, associated as a Christian. It's a mark on you. He says, no, 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 no. Beware of people that force you to believe that. And in verse 3, he says, for we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ has done for us. Not circumcision, but what Jesus has done for us. And we put no confidence in human effort. Here's the question. Um, what has Jesus done for us? Our confidence is, is only in Him, Paul says. It must be. So what has Jesus done? We could stop right here and talk for a long time about what has Christ done for me? Now, we could go through all the personal things, but what has Christ done for us collectively? Well, we know that already. We've studied that. We understand that. 
with our minds and hopefully with our hearts. Jesus came, uh, he, he taught, uh, he lived, he modeled, he died, he was raised from the dead. He has ascended to heaven. He is sitting at the right hand of God the Father. He will come again and and, and bring us to be with Him. Um, He has given us spiritual gifts. He has provided His Spirit to guide us and to lead us. He has set us on a mission, a revolution, where we are revolutionaries, changing the world through His power within us as we go every day into wherever He leads us. What has Christ done? He's rescued us. He saved us and redeemed us. What is He doing? He is transforming us. What will He do? He's going to raise us or bring us home. And Paul says that actually at the very end, and we're going to get to that in a a minute, but Paul says, uh, where he says, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering, somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead, uh, that somehow is really whether I live and Christ raises me after I've died, pardon me, if I've died, Christ raises me after I've died, or whether I don't die and He comes back and takes me to be with Him. Somehow I will attain this resurrection from the dead. So we rejoice in Christ alone for what He has done for us, is doing and will do, Uh, and we make sure that we're not striving in being religious, but rather we are thriving in this faith through Jesus. There are so many people that are striving in religion, in in the emptiness of just working as hard as they can and hoping that it is somehow enough for God to accept them. And, And we know clearly that God says, that's impossible. I can never accept you in your fallen, broken humanity, but I love you so much and I want to accept you so dearly that I have taken care of your brokenness. I've taken care of your sin. I have given you new life through my son who has taken your sin upon himself and has been crucified in order to do that. How are you doing with that today? Is that giving you a sense of rejoicing in the Lord? Paul says this, you know, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. And then he goes on for a few verses and says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. I'm I'm a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to Jewish law. And I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Boy, it's something for a man to say that. He says, I once thought that these things were valuable, and I lived them out in that way. But now, and this is what he writes, I consider them absolutely worthless because of what Christ has done. I consider them rubbish. In fact, he uses the word garbage uh, because of what Christ has done. I rejoice in the Lord always and only. He writes in verse 8, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ my Lord. For His sake, I have discarded everything else, here's the word, I counted all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law, but rather I become righteous through faith in Christ. My striving is over. My embracing of Jesus and thriving in Him and through Him has begun. For God's way of making us right with Himself, listen to this, depends on faith, not on striving, but on coming in faith and receiving from Jesus. And then any kind of striving that we do is is out of thankfulness and gladness and not out of trying to put on a performance for God. And he says in verse 10, I want to know Christ. Isn't that something? I want to know 
Christ. I want to experience the fullness of who he really is. I want to know him and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, here it is, one way or another, whether I die and have raised to life with him when he returns, or the other way, I am alive when he returns and I am raised with him while I'm still alive, I will experience the resurrection from the dead, dead in my sins. I want to know Christ. You know, uh, I remember when I first uh, met Kimberly, I, I just wanted to, to know who this person was. And then we got married and I knew her on a different level again. And in 35 years of living, I can safely say that I know her and she knows me about as well as, as we know anyone else. And then, amazing, when our children came along, I just wanted to know my children. I, I love to play with them and have them jump on me when they're small and then to, to teach them things as they grew up. And now that they're adults and having their own children, I still want to know them and experience life with them in this way that is just so rich and so full uh, that there's just nothing else like it. As they experience, of course, that in marriage with, with their spouses and then as parents with their children. Paul's saying, I want to know experience Jesus Christ. I want to know uh, the power of his resurrection, that new life. I want to experience also his suffering. Amazing, isn't it? So, how do I know when I'm right with Jesus? That's where we started. The answer is this. I know that I'm right with Jesus when possessing him, when knowing him is really all that, that, that matters to me. Um, Man, that, that's a big order uh, because probably like me, there are many things throughout the day that, that jump in front of me and say, I must really matter. You, you need to pay close attention to, to this right now, the, whatever that is. Uh, and yet Paul writes, yes, there are things in life that we must pay attention to. But what really matters? What, what really matters? Is it only Jesus? Are you experiencing Christ's resurrection power as, as, as you live in these exciting days? And in these uncertain days, is that all that really matters to you? Boy, I'll tell you, in our world right now, there are a lot of things that people seem to think really matter. And yes, we need to be wise. But Jesus, in the end, says, I'm all that matters, and I will guide you. Are you, experience, are you experiencing even his suffering? Uh, do you know what it means to actually suffer with Christ? What, what do, truly does that mean? There's a bit of a mystery in that. But throughout the world, there's also some incredibly, uh, I don't even want to call it practical, some real ways in which people experience suffering with Christ. As Christ suffered, we suffer. Are you experiencing new life in Jesus Christ? And is that all that really matters to you? Uh, when Ruth Graham Bell uh, passed away a number of years ago, at her funeral, um, and there were so many people there, and, and there was what a life she had, married to Billy Graham, his wife, and she died first and left Billy for a number of years before he finally died too. At her funeral, um, they played a song, and, and the song was this, uh, Give Me Jesus. And, and the song's lyrics really are, you know, as I live, uh, you can have all this world, just give me Jesus. Can you say that? Can you say, uh, as I live through life, uh, all of this world can be given to me, but in the end, it doesn't matter. Just give me Jesus. Give me Jesus Christ, my Lord. I trust that for you, that's the answer. And that's how you know when you're doing well with him. I'm doing well when really, as if it boils down to just anything but Jesus, nothing else matters, only him. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that, that 
You love us so much that actually nothing else mattered to you, and so you sent your son Jesus, and he died for us. And, and God, now, as we've experienced that incredible love, nothing else matters for us except the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, who set us free, and who will raise us again when we die, or if we're fortunate enough to be that generation that is here, will raise us with him while we're still alive. God, thank you. Thank you for that promise and that hope and that reality. We bless you today, and you are our sufficiency. You are enough, alone, in yourself. We bless you. Thank you. Amen. Have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you again soon.